Glad you all are here today. We continue in this series um, where we talk about the Great Commission. And we have been plowing through uh, Matthew chapter 28, starting with verse 16, because it reveals to us God's call, God's challenge, God's word uh, to us as a people as we, as we move ahead as a family of faith. And during this three-week stretch, we've said, well, we're going to talk a little bit in general about this word, teaching the things that I've taught you. And we're doing an overview of that. So we're going to read, first of all, um, the Great Commission from Matthew 28, and then we're going to look again at the end of the Sermon on the Mount. So now hear the word of the Lord as found in the good news according to Matthew. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee to the mountain which Jesus had directed them. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And now Matthew uh, chapter 7 Uh, The end of the Sermon on the Mount, starting with verse 24. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and acts on them will be like a wise man who built his house on a rock. The rain fell, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on the house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain fell. The floods came, the winds blew, and beat against the house, and it fell, and great was its fall. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. This is a simple truth, isn't it? That if you want a house to last, you build it on good material, build it on a firm foundation, and we know it's, it's going to be built to last, right? Even little kids know this, right? In fact, we're going to show you something that shows that little kids even know this. Can you all on this side see the screen? If This screen is out, okay? And the projector's out, and if you want to donate to make it right, we'd, we'd welcome that, okay? <laughs> but right now, this is all we got. So we're going to see something that lets us know that even little kids know this truth. Watch. All right, welcome to the lab. This is Practical Bible. This is where it gets real, all right? And I'm going to have my boys join me in our sandbox, and we're going to play out the passage of Scripture that we're looking at this morning, okay? Are you ready? If you'll notice right here, we have our house built out of solid Lincoln logs, built on solid sand. And here we have our sheriff's office, because I didn't have another house in my Lincoln log kit. This is our sheriff's office built on a solid rock, compliments of Jason Hardesty. And um, we're going to see what happens when the rain begins to come and the floods begin to come. Are you ready for this? All right, boys, let's bring on some water. We're going to try this. Okay, are we ready? Now listen, this is what I want you to do. We are not trying to knock the houses okay, over. Okay. okay? We're just trying to, we're just trying to gently... Okay, you're just going to take that and you're just going to hold it right over. Go. Let's bring on the water before we get wet. Here comes the rain on the house on the rock. And let's see, as the rain continues to pour down... And we begin to see some of the flooding here. Just keep it coming right there. Let's, let's rain on this house on the rock real good there. Good job. Good job. Keep raining on the house on the sand. And back on the rock. And now let's see some more rain on the sand. 
Mikey, you want to come here and help us do the, the rain on the sand? Sure. Here we go. Keep raining, keep raining. Keep raining right there. Okay, well, Ethan, now let's let Micah hold it. Keep holding. Keep... Whoa, whoa, what happened? What happened? We had rain, we had flood, and what happened over here? Our house broke. The house... It fell down, didn't it? Man, look at how much water we're putting on this one. It's not even budging. It's not, look at that huge pool of water right there, boys. What happened? I was going to fill it up with sand. What happened? All right. Okay, yeah, boys. I got it. No, no, no. What lesson did we learn? That the strong man built his house on the rock. The strong man built his house on the rock. Can I water the grass? No, we're not going to water the grass. Even little kids know what do you build your house on? Rocks. But so many times we build our lives upon sand, things that don't last, right? Jesus was telling this story, this parable at the end of the Sermon on the Mount. And he was someone who knew about building, right? Remember what his job was? He was a carpenter or maybe a stonemason. You know, we're not quite sure because they work with stone more than they did wood there in Galilee. But he knew about building codes. He knew about how to build things. And he was telling his audience there, said, all right, yeah, it's easy to build your house there in the creek bed. It, it really is. I mean, you don't have to haul all the rocks up up the hillside. You don't have to dig out a foundation out of rock. You all that live here in the high country know that you, there's a lot of work to build a house up here, right? Because we're, we're building on rocks. And same, same back in, in ancient times. I mean, they, they could have built their house there on the plain. It was nice and easy to do so. It was near to everything. They didn't have to walk down a hill to get water and, and, and get food and go to the market. But every now and then, the rains came. And when the rains would come in a great amount, the rivers would swell or there'd be more than a, snow than normal in Mount Hermon up north and the, and the snowpack would melt and come down and come a great big flood. And all those houses that were built near the river, well, just like that, box, that, that house in the sandbox, it'd wash away. But the house that's was built on that solid rock, that foundation did not budge. Even though the floods came, the waters rushed. You know, we know these things, don't we? Don't we? we we've just seen this uh, down in, in South Florida. Her, here came Hurricane Ian, and it washed away so many of the homes that were built there on the sand. Why? Because the floods will come. Now, y'all might remember the pictures from Hurricane Michael, which hit down near where I, I lived. And there's a home that, that was famous that you might have seen it. It was built by a guy named LeBron Lackey. And all the other houses washed away around it. And said, how did this house stand up? He said, it's easy. I bore down 40 feet into the sand and built a solid foundation. And nothing could move it. Read an article after Hurricane Ian. There's a whole neighborhood that survived. And they asked why. I said, well, we built on solid foundation. 
and we built away from the shoreline. We designed homes to stand the storm. We know these things. We know this truth that Jesus is talking about. If we build a lot on things that are fleeting, then our lives will be washed away. Our hopes will disappear. And the storms, not if, but when the storms come. When the storms come, if it's not built on a firm foundation, our lives will seem like that Lincoln Log house there in the video. Our hopes or dreams will be washed away. We know this, don't we? It's intuitive, isn't it? So what does it mean what Jesus is saying here to build your life on a solid foundation that will not move? What does it mean to build our lives on something that cannot be blown away by the storms of life? Well, it says, he says, those who do what I am telling you, doing those things. C.S. Lewis, in his book, A Grief Observed, talks about a time in his life when the storms came and he felt like his life, his life had been washed away. For it's when his wife, Joy, had died. And he had been a bachelor for so many years. And he said, you know, it's like I, I thought I could go back to my life. I was so happy as a, as a bachelor. I was so happy as somebody uh, who was not married. But this woman came into his life and changed everything. And then after a short period of time of marriage, she was taken from him. And he said, it was like my world had been taken from me. And then he said this statement. You do not know the depth of what you believe until your belief becomes life or death. And if a storm comes and your beliefs are simply washed away, then we must admit that our faith was built upon a house of cards. What's your faith built on? What's your life built on? Because when the storms come, will it stand firm or will it be washed away? And Lewis's faith, though battered, though beaten, though questioning, we talked about questioning when we said that some of the disciples here at the feet of Jesus doubted. It stood firm. And he says why in an earlier book called Mere Christianity. In it, he makes this description. He says, when we give our lives over to God, it is, it is like our, our house being renovated. And God will come in and, and he'll do some things that we think are, are, are necessary. Like he'll unstop the drains and he'll fix the roof. And then, but all of a sudden, things begin to be painful. Things begin to happen that we didn't anticipate. We wonder why is God moving this wall? Why is God throwing up this tower? Why is God building this courthouse? Why is God rearranging everything in our lives? Because you see, all we thought we wanted from God was a tiny little cottage. When God says, no, I want a huge palace, a mansion. And Lewis says, why is this? Because God is going to occupy this mansion himself. And when God occupies that mansion, building on a firm foundation, nothing on heaven or earth can move it. Nothing on heaven or earth can move it. 
even though it might be beaten, though it might be battered, though it might uh, face a storm that will take the shingles off the roof, it will not be moved. Well, you ask yourselves, well, I know this stuff. <laughs> you know, that little kid showed us that, yeah, we, we know that's true, right? I mean, I asked you what type of house you want to build on, sand or a rock. You all said rock. So we know this. So why don't we do these things? Why? Because Jesus says, if you do the things I tell you, you you're going to have a house, a life that's built upon a solid rock that nothing can move. And the things that Jesus tells us do, we, we just have to look throughout the Sermon on the Mount. Seek after justice. Mourn with those who mourn. Be a peacemaker. Let your light shine so that your good works will bring others to, to know this Father in heaven. It says, when, when you go out in the world, don't worry about things. Seek God's kingdom first. And know that where your treasure is, your heart's going to be there. So give generously. Don't hold grudges. Don't speak ill of other people. Pray for your enemies. Do good to them. If we do all these things, if we do these things, our lives will be like a house built on a firm foundation. The question is, why don't we do them? Really? I mean, why, why don't we do this stuff? We know it. Why is our faith sometimes so anemic or swept away so easily by the whims of the world or, or that we uh, chase other things rather than chase after God? Why? It's about our loves, about what we hold valuable and what we are willing to give our, the entirety of ourselves to. Jesus talks about this in a a parable later on in Matthew's gospel, he tells about a fellow that was digging in a field. And when he's digging there, as he's there chomping away, throwing up stuff, he hits a clunk, hits something. And he looks down a little bit and he sees in his digging, he's discovered a buried treasure. In the days before you had banks to deposit money, that's where you put your deposits there in the ground. And in this field, he realized someone has buried an invaluable treasure here. And so in his joy, Jesus says, he sells everything because he values something so greatly. He's willing to give up everything for it. Jesus said, that's what loving the kingdom's like. He then goes on to say, there's a pearl merchant and he, he was out looking around and he saw a pearl that was more valuable and more precious than any other pearl he had ever seen. Now, pearls are valuable now, but back in the ancient days, pearls were extremely valuable, extremely rare. I, we're, we read that Cleopatra owned a pearl in today's uh, value systems worth $4 billion. So this guy discovers a pearl that's an incalculable price. And in his joy, he gives up everything to obtain it. That is valuing something. That is willing to sacrifice something. That, that is willing to love something. We gotta ask ourselves, do we love God that much? Oh, we have lots of loves in our life and lots of these things. There's nothing wrong with them at all. I mean, there really isn't. 
I mean, there's nothing wrong with uh, our love for our families, and, and lots of us give up time and energy and money and, and do all sorts of things to make sure that our children, our grandchildren, our wives, our spouses, our husbands are, are, are all taken care of. There's nothing wrong with that. But is it our greatest, that our greatest love? Some, you know, sacrifice so much for their professions, give up so much time and energy. They better themselves. They work long hours. Why? So that they can... Make a mark in this world by what they have done. Again, nothing wrong with that. And sometimes we, well, we love ourselves more than anything else. And we, you know, give all of our attention to ourselves. And there are plenty of people that do that. But what is it that we truly love? That we're willing to say, I'll do this for you. Think about that with your spouse. Think about that with your children. Lots of times I ask you to do something, you're going to what? Do it. Why? Because you love them. Do we love Jesus that much? That we can honestly say, Jesus, I'll do what you want me to do. And in regards to what Dr. St. Clair just spoke about, I will give what you want me to give. Will we do that? Because in doing these things, we have a life that's built upon a solid rock that nothing can shake. So how do we get to this point where we will love enough so that we will do what Jesus asks us to do? And we will do the things that we hear Jesus say. Because, I mean, we love to hear this stuff, don't we? Oh, I love to hear Jesus talk about loving other people. <laughs> I love to hear Jesus say, no, I don't need to worry. Oh, I love to, wait a minute, do I really love to hear that I should seek God's kingdom above everything else? Well, maybe not. Hmm. So how do we get to this love? Well, it's by fixing our minds on it so that we can come to a point where we become in love with Jesus. Apostle Paul describes this in Romans 12, by the renewing of your mind, become transformed so that you will know and do the will of God, which is perfect, acceptable, and good. Having our minds and our hearts focused in upon God so that he can renew us and transform us. I mean, think about that in any, any relationship. I mean, you focus in on those you love, right? You call those whom you love. You write to those whom you love. You speak to those whom you love. You listen to those whom you love. And if we don't, then, well, maybe our love isn't what it ought to be. And so... We need to have this happen to us. It's words from John Donne, the 17th century priest and poet, who wrote this, Embrace me, imprison me, until I'm enthralled with thee, I will not be free. I will not be chased until you ravish me. Wow, that's pretty steamy language for church. Ravish me. For John Donne realized that he had wed himself to so many other things, his possessions, his career, even to his family. And he said, they all left me unsatisfied until I let him ravish me and all their loves were put into perspective. 
Wow. And it's when we love something enough that we are willing to sacrifice, willing to do whatever we're asked to do, then we come to this point where we have a life that's built on a foundation that cannot be shaken. In other words, we need to repent of our lack of love for Jesus. That's an interesting phrase, isn't it? Repent of our lack of love for Jesus. Because when we think about repenting, we think about, you know, gossiping, or we think about those thoughts that we shouldn't think, or those secret sins, or, you know, repenting of being uh, ill-tempered to our dog that keeps jumping up on our bed and getting it all money. That's that's a real-life example. (laughs) Yeah, we, we think about those things, but do we think about a repenting of a lack of love for Jesus? Because we will do things for people that we love, won't we? We're going to do things for people that we love. And so when we love somebody, we'll do things for them. Can you imagine entering into a relationship this way? Said, "Hun, I'm going to love you so much that I'm going to spend one hour a week with you. Aren't you just thrilled, Diana, by that? Yeah. But there are plenty of people that say that by the way they act. Maybe they say, I love you so much, I'm going to spend, you know, one hour a month. No. We love somebody. We're going to spend time coming to a place like this to have our minds focused in on this person who loves us. We'll spend time reading the word, spending time in praying, and spending time asking this question daily. Jesus, what would you have me do today? What would you have me do today? Hmm. And in our giving, asking the question that Wesley had his early Methodist ask, Before I spend any money, do I pray about it? How quickly would we click on Amazon Prime if we asked that question? (gasps) Yeah. Maybe we just don't love enough. And Jesus, in a story from all the Gospels, he's there eating dinner at the home of a Pharisee, and and this woman comes in and starts to cry all over his feet and wipes uh, his feet with her hair. And, and the Pharisees are there grumbling about it. And he asks them, said, you, you know, uh, when I came in here, you didn't wash my feet. You didn't offer me a kiss. You, you didn't show me that I was welcome here. But this woman, she has anointed my feet with her tears. She's wiped them with her hair. She has given, not quit kissing my feet. For you see... Those who know that they need me love me much. I'm afraid in our middle class, upper middle class culture, we've forgotten how much we need God. And we've forgotten then how much we're loved by God. And therefore, we don't love enough to do the things we hear him tell us to do.
You know, we're thinking about hurricanes right now. I know down on all the coastal communities, it's still not over yet. I mean, we, we go through, uh, through November with this. And uh, growing up down there and living down there for most of my life, I, I know what it's like. And uh, I remember uh, part of the best parts of my ministry, some of the best parts of my ministry is going down and helping out people who have been affected by storms and going uh, to Katrina and going over to Harvey and heading somewhere to Houston, Texas, forgot the name of that. The most time I've ever spent in North Carolina before I moved here is over uh, in, in Greenville with, um, after the Tarwater River backed up and flooded. We spent two summers uh, over that way. Uh, but one of the most memorable trips was going down after Hurricane Andrew. Y'all you, you, might remember Andrew. It's one of the most powerful storms that ever hit because it's so compact. I mean, it's just a small little thing, but the it was a Cat 5, winds over 175 miles an hour, hit right there at Homestead. And a bunch of us old boys in Montgomery now loaded up in trucks six weeks after the storm headed down there. And I'm not kidding you all, the, the, the debris was as high as, as the ceiling here, lots of places we drove through there. Uh, UMCR bedded us in the Coral Gables United Methodist Church. You think that sounds fast, uh, fancy? It's on a Sunday school floor. And they didn't have showers, so we used a hose pipe uh, to shower off with and, and hid, behind, uh, hid behind planks to kind of have a little privacy. And we went out every day uh, to work at this home that had been devastated by the storm. The storm was so brutal, y'all, that it blew their VW up into the gables. Yeah, they had to get uh, a lift to help bring that thing down, and then we repaired the home and cleared the, the debris, and there, we're there working, and it, and uh, some of y'all know that South Florida's kind of hot. It was very hot, and we sweated, and of course, we're going and hosing off ourselves at night, you know, and uh, it's hard work. And at the end of the week, the, the family, we gathered them together, and I know we had helped clear debris. They still had a long way to go and needed other teams to come in there, but we were the very first team. And the I could tell by some of the stuff in the house that they probably weren't believers, just put it that way. And they, we were there at the end of our time, and, and we were going to give them a Bible that all of us had signed. And, and uh, there we were presenting it to them. And, and the, the man of the house, the older fellow, said, why'd y'all come? Y- y'all from Montgomery, right? And said, yeah. I said, and a lot of y'all took off work, and a lot of them nodded their heads. And you, you've been working hard all day long from the sunrise to sundown. What, what, why, why have y'all done this? And there's a member of the group named Rich. And Rich was, uh, well, he'd had a hard life, and he's kind of hard, an odd fella. And he, uh, but he had a simple faith, and he, like the man whom he followed Jesus, was a humble carpenter. And Rich went forward and just said this to this family, no profound statement really, he just said this, we love Jesus and we love you and we want to give this to you because of our love. And we've been here all week long, sweating and working, hitting our fingers with hammers because of love. And y'all, such a faith like that, doing the things that Jesus told us, well, it's like building your life on a foundation of granite that can't be moved, even when the storms come.
a short little video that Nan Uzlak shared with me, and I think it speaks volumes to what we're talking about. Be up there? Is it going to be up there? Is it just the wheat field? There you go. That's the Berlin United Methodist Church in Merle's Inlet, South Carolina, as Hurricane Ian's hit. And do you see? There's the cross standing in the storm. Those of us who place our lives under the authority of one who went on a cross and died and came back to life and do the things that this risen Savior tells us to do, it's like having our life built upon a foundation. And as the storms come and maybe the, uh, the, the windows will rattle, maybe a shingle too will come off, that life will stand and we can have hope even when the storm clouds come build your life on the firm foundation by doing what Jesus asks you to do let us pray we come father knowing that uh, there's so many things that compel us in life. There's so many interests that we have. There's so many things that uh, we uh, can do. And yes, Lord, there's a lot of good things, you know, taking care of family and being with friends and participating in hobbies. There's in reality nothing wrong with those things, but if they become our idol, as uh, Scott said, uh, it calls us to have a life that doesn't stand firm when the storms come, and they will, the disappointments, the heartaches, the grief, and the ultimate storm of our demise, Lord, there's only one thing that will stand, and that's our faith that is active and working in love. So let us, God, each and every day, get up and say, thank you, God, for what you have done for us, and Lord, what would you have me do today? My God, we go from this time knowing that you go with us to enable us to have the courage, the strength to do your will so that the world will be blessed through us. All this we ask in the name of the one who lived and died and rose again, Jesus Christ. Amen, amen, amen.